Welcome back, everyone, to episode six of the Versecast. Joined here by two longtime friends and the co-hosts of the Pylon Dons Fantasy Football and Football in General podcast, AJ and Ben. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. I mean, it's great. We're going to talk some NFL draft, and I'm really excited. Always a pleasure. Really excited to talk about some fantasy football and some NFL draft stuff with two of my favorite peers and my favorite CEO of the best peer-to-peer betting platform. So let's get into it. Awesome. So let's let's talk about NFL draft. You mentioned that it's coming up in, I think, 10 days. Happy 420, everyone. Nine days then. And uh, what that really means is the speculation is at an all time high. So you guys are two, uh, you know, well-known speculators. Who are you speculating on for this this coming draft? Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence might go number one overall. It's it's a hot (laughs) take, but I, I think he might be the right pick for Jacksonville. It's possible. I don't know. I feel like uh, QB at three is going to be the big headline. Yeah. Uh, everyone thought it was Mac Jones like a week ago, and now it seems like nobody really knows. Uh, also, where Penny Sewell goes, because a lot of people kind of thought he was a lock to be top three, some generational offensive line talent. Reports about Slater being the better of the two have come out recently. It could just be teams blowing smoke, trying to confuse each other. But, I mean, there's some merit to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rare to get a top quality O-line, but I feel like it's rare for an O-line to be this hard to peg. I mean, at first, Penny was, you're right, a top three, top five lock, and now Slater is, is rising on the boards. There are probably more teams that want O-linemen in the top 10 than are going to pick them, to be fair. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a fall off after Slater and um, Sewell. It's uh definitely significant there's going to be teams in the back end of the first round definitely looking at o-linemen as well like the sam cosmes the elijah vera tuckers of the draft yeah and absolutely and a lot of the teams in the back end of the first round really could use an o-line upgrade we're looking at you kansas city even though you made some offensive moves if the pittsburgh steelers see someone on the board they like they could also use some more talent there so the o-linemen they'll get their first round draft capital it'll come So you mentioned the first round, into the first round. Who are some players that you guys are targeting that are not day one, uh, not going to hear their name called day one, but you think are are certainly going to, you know, play impact uh, plays next season for the, for whoever drafts them. So later round picks. Uh, I love Trevon Morig at a TCU. He originally was pretty much garnering only day two draft capital and the draft hype, but that's sort of started to change as people are starting to think he's the number one safety in the class. I love Eric Stokes out of Georgia at well. I don't think he's getting enough love. I think he's right up there with Pat Certain, J.C. Horn, and the like. So, yeah, I love both of those DBs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm actually going to go on the offensive route. Uh, people have probably heard me already, but I've been banging the drum for Rondell Moore. I just think the athleticism is just absolutely crazy, and I think he can come in and offer a lot to any team that's going to snag him, probably somewhere in the middle of day two. Um, as for – maybe more of a day three type guy. This is a name off a little bit of the beaten path, but Demetric Felton out of UCLA is an explosive little jitterbug. He's got some real good hands on him. He's real quick and he's hard to tackle in the open field. So he could also be an elusive weapon. Yeah, for sure. So, so which team coming into this, maybe just narrowing it to the teams in the top 10 has the most pressure to get this draft, right? I mean, you could say uh, the first two picks are almost given at this point. And as AJ mentioned, the third pick is sort of the first overall pick in this draft, really. Um, who do you think has the most to lose for messing up this this draft? I think it's San Francisco. I think if they make that trade, give up two future firsts, I believe, 
and then take a quarterback, uh, you know, and are, are unable to ship Jim, Jimmy G for anything of value. I, I think they can't fuck this up, but, but we'll see, you know, who, who else uh, crumbles. Oh, a hundred percent. I hear what you're saying with the pressure on San Francisco. And that's definitely a fair take. I almost feel like they're playing a little bit with house money in the sense of how great their roster is and how deep it is across the board. Like, they realistically, if they come back at full health, they could be a Super Bowl contender, even with Jimmy G there. But I do hear what you're saying with all the draft capital that they did to move up. So that's a good take. But I would personally go with AJ's New York Jets, uh, because like you said, the draft starts at three. I don't think it should start at three. I don't think that Zach Wilson should be locked into two. And I think that this is the Jets best chance to really turn things around. And I think if they mess it up again, it's going to set him back, what, another two, three years. So that's my opinion on that. Yeah, yeah trading Sam Darnold. Sorry, go ahead, AJ. Trading Sam Darnold is definitely a commitment to the quarterback position being drafted at two, and it seems like all signs point to Zach Wilson. I really think that the team with the most to lose is the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to get critiqued with whatever they do. They, if they go skill position player, they've got Ridley and Julio there. People are going to critique them for that. If they go Sewell, people are going to wonder, are you guys still this committed to Matt Ryan? And if you go quarterback – the lack of commitment to Matt Ryan and the offensive line is going to be another talking point as well. So I really think that no matter where they go, they're going to have to answer more questions than they will be answering themselves. Well, I think Kyle Pitts, what I've read is is Kyle Pitts to Atlanta at four is a real possibility, which I think, you know, would not be addressing a serious need for them. I think uh, an O-lineman, I I don't know, but you mentioned Jimmy G, you mentioned Matt Ryan. I think both of them are still quality starting quarterbacks that could lead your team to the playoffs. And uh, that sort of brings me to my next question. It is a prop we have available on verse, but will a starting quarterback be traded on draft day? The only day one. So we're only talking about first round draft picks. Will a starting quarterback, a quarterback who started games for a football team last season, be traded Ben let's start with you so I'm gonna have to say no to a starting quarterback but I do think a quarterback could be traded so to all of the people out there on verse I would recommend that you do not make this bet or bet that there will not be a starting quarterback traded but I actually saw a little tidbit Uh, I know Zim and AJ were all in the same group chat we saw too that little Jordan Love note he could be on the move possibly I also think that Teddy Bridgewater is no longer a starting quarterback so that wouldn't really count either he counts because he started last season, so. Oh, that that is true. I guess he would count for the prop. Well, I would say it's definitely up in the air, but I would lean towards no. I'm leaning towards yes, even though there's maybe not a ton of quarterbacks that are garnering first-round draft capital that are on the market. Uh, you definitely can't rule it out. There's been so much QB movement this offseason, and we're only really just scratching the surface. I think there's a lot of teams that are – Uh, sort of trying to get the upper hand at the quarterback position with how dominant Patrick Mahomes has been in his first few years. Yeah, I think with with names like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I I think the odds are are pretty strong that one of those guys gets moved, especially if San Francisco, it may not happen on draft night, but if I'm San Francisco and I draft Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whoever the fuck I draft, Jimmy G is not going to want to sit on that roster much longer. You know, he's going to expect a quick, quick resolution Cause he's not going to, you know, be a bench player. So. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely still a starting calorie QB, even though he is a little bit more of the game manager type of guy, but there's just too many teams out there to not take a chance on Jimmy G as your starter. I mean, I actually kind of feel like that the quarterback position in a really strange way is starting to get a little bit crowded in a sense. Like, I don't know who's going to want to pay Jimmy G 
that contract to be the guy if it's not working out in San Francisco with this elite O-line, with this elite defense, with these elite weapons. Like, it's not like he's going to get traded to Detroit to battle it out with Jared Goff and then fix that situation. I mean, maybe Jimmy G could go to Chicago, maybe, but I don't really see a lot of big openings at this point. It feels like either the QB needy teams have top quarterbacks or teams – I have high picks. So it's either they have a pick or they have a guy. The only real exception would be Jimmy G's former home, the New England Patriots, who are at the middle of the round with only Cam Newton. Well, um, keep an eye on New England, but keep an eye on Denver. Jim Elway loves his quarterback project. Instead of taking whoever's available at nine, I and which could be Mac Jones, you know, the best available quarterback at nine, not Trey Lance. He could be gone. They've got to consider doing something like a Jimmy G deal. They could probably – you know, get get some draft capital along with him, maybe a third or fourth round pick to sweeten it. Um, but I could see Jimmy G su- succeeding in Denver. Oh, he definitely could succeed in Denver, but I just don't know if they would do the number nine overall pick for him. Oh, no. That's the big thing. Be, oh. I don't think it would be for that pick. I, I oh, just, just wanted to clarify that, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Rondale Moore earlier. I think he, you know, he's an outside shot at being a first round pick. But between Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore, this is another prop up on verse. Which of those guys do you think is going to get get drafted earlier? Bateman, all day. He's just got the better route tree. Minnesota ran a pro-style offense. He is arguably, besides Jamar Chase, the most NFL-built, NFL-ready wide receiver prospect in this class. And I think when you have that sort of floor and you have that sort of track record, combined with an early breakout age, you're going to garner draft capital from these better teams that are another wide receiver away from being in that elite tier one type of conversation. Well, I just heard you say breakout age and Rondell Moore was all big 10 as a pure freshman. Um, I think they're going to be within a couple spots of each other. I could really see it being a run on the draft board. It really could be a coin flip, but just don't count out Rondell Moore with his 600 pound squat, 48 inch vertical. And just, you can't even see him on the field speed. So I really think he could just, I don't think he'll be a first-round pick, but I think anywhere in the 40s is where I'd have Rondell Moore going. Yeah, so talking about top receivers, I think we almost ignore just because they're so, so elite. But Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith both looking at being top 20 picks. I want to hear which of those you guys think, which of those players is going to get drafted earlier, another prop up on verse. Or, you know, if, if, if you think that one of them has the potential to fall. Well, so this is perfect because AJ and I actually disagree here. Like we talked about this in our show um, that we dropped today also. And I have Smith a little bit higher because I just think that his production profile was so amazing. Like he won the Heisman, the best player in college football. Like there's only so many things that you can really nitpick. Like I personally don't care that he didn't weigh in or that he didn't run. He has the trophy to show for it. So for me, he was just so dominant, and I just think he's going to go above Waddle in the draft. Yeah, I feel like you can't not pick Devontae Smith based off any of those concerns because you just don't win a Heisman if, without being elite. But I, I do see it being you know, uh, uh, up to the front office. I, in my mind, you guys know how I feel about Smith, but AJ, you know. The thing about Jalen Waddle that really strikes me is, and it happens with a lot of these really, really fast players coming out of these really elite programs when they enter the NFL, The NFL almost plays a little slower than the NCAA, especially because of the style of spread offense you see in the NCAA. And I think a guy like Waddle is going to just have so much touchdown upside right out of the gate if he can stay healthy. Obviously, he has smaller stature, as as does Devonta Smith, but both of their ball skills are so elite that that 
honestly doesn't even matter. And I think that Jalen Waddle can really take the top off a of defense like no other. All right. Well, I, I think there's convincing arguments for both, but one that I think another prop that we have up that I think you guys may disagree on is Penny Sewell or Kyle Pitts, which one of them gets drafted earlier. It really is going to be up to some draft day trades, but what are y'all's thoughts? Ben, would you like to take this one first? It's going to be Kyle Pitts who goes first, but I'm really mad about it because I think it is such a poor having a franchise left tackle on a rookie contract is the second most valuable thing in football after having a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract. So this is no shade to Kyle Pitts, but even if he's the, the best tight end in the NFL next year, even if like he's better than a Kelsey or a Kittle, which I don't think he will be at least not yet. It's still from a positional value standpoint, doesn't sit right with me that he's going above a left tackle. That's my take on that. Yeah. I mean, I think left tackle is the second most important position in football because you are protecting the most important position in football and oftentimes are protecting their blind side. I don't really get why Sewell has fallen down draft boards. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, there's really not a hole in his blocking game. And if the Jets had kept Sam Darnold, I would have wanted them to take Sewell at two. I do think he will go earlier just because – I don't see a team taking a tight end in the top five. It just like doesn't seem like an NFL general manager type of move to make. But Pitts is well, whichever... like a receiver plus tight end. He, he's almost – that's sort of the argument for him is that he's so game-changing that it could rationalize it. But I, I agree with you. Um, so next up, we, we mentioned cornerbacks. Both of these guys have been mentioned by name. But it's going to be interesting to see which cornerback is first off the board. Between what I have currently is Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn, between those two guys, which do you think will be off the board first? I think it's going to be J.C. Horn. He is getting more hype at the right time. I was all aboard the Pat Certain hype train in February and early March. Personally, I think he is the better corner. I think he tracks the ball better. I think even though he's less physical than Horn, uh, he's got better footwork than Horn does. So I would lean certain, but I'm starting to think that Horn is the CB1 taken off the board. Yeah, I would agree with what AJ said also. And for me personally, um, be it fantasy or just as a fan, I'm always a little bit wary of late risers. Not to say that late risers can't be good prospects, but more so I'm just more comfortable with the established guy who's been dominant, has had the tape, has been a prospect for years now. So while J.C. Horn could go over Pat Sertain, I'm personally a little more comfortable with Pat Sertain's game. Yeah, I, I think Sertain is, is, despite the hype, I think Sertain is, it has the support from, from the start, and I, I do think he'll be off the board first. But that brings us to a really hot, you know, this is a tough question, and I, I, I'm curious your guys' thoughts. This is an over-under of how many quarterbacks in the first top 10 picks. All right, we have a line set at three and a half in the top 10 picks. You take an over or under three and a half quarterbacks off the board in the top 10. I might put everything I own on that over, and I'm just going to tell you that right now. I think that you see a team trade up into the top 10 to go get a quarterback. I know everyone wants to talk about oh, wait, Bill wait, Belichick sorry, doesn't sorry. trade up. I have four and a half for the top 10 and three and a half as the line for the top five. So four and a half in the top 10 
but three and a half in the top five because we could see Atlanta take or trade for a team that wants to take a quarterback. So let's start with that top five over under three and a half in the top five picks quarterback. I'm taking the under. Uh, I'm taking the under. I think if any general manager can like look at his fan base and be like, I'm going to take Mac Jones in the top five. Like, I, I don't know. Like in my eyes to me, just me personally, my quarterback tiers, I got Lawrence, I got fields. I got 50 feet of bets on the New York Knicks from 2017 back when they were bad. And then I have um, fields and Lance. And then I have another 50 feet of Boston Red Sox bets from last year. And then there's Mac Jones. So for me, I, I just – I know teams need quarterbacks, but I just can't see how four of those guys go in the top five picks with generational players like Sewell, Pitts, and Chase on the board. AJ? Yeah, I think that generational talent definitely sort of puts a buffer after that third quarterback gets taken because these guys are just too good. And I think there's too many questions about these quarterbacks. Obviously – they are all very talented prospects, nothing being held against them. But these guys do have questions and not really, in my opinion, is it debatable that they have more questions than the elite skill position and other position prospects in the draft. All right. So bumping that up a notch to the top 10 and moving the line to four and a half. Do you guys see any way five quarterbacks go off the board in the top 10? Yeah, I could see yeah. five in the top 10. Like I could see like teams trading up to eight and nine just to get their guy. My real hope is that it's under five and a half for the whole first round, because if someone takes like David Mills or Kellen Mond, I'm really going to just lose my mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I definitely am a fan of that over for the top 10. I think that Carolina is a really big candidate to trade out. I think Denver might just have to pull the trigger because they haven't had a franchise quarterback literally since John Elway. So I think that there, we could definitely see five QBs. Maybe Peyton Manning counts, but. Andrew Locke. Drew, <laughs> uh, Drew Locke truthers. Uh. <laughs> okay. So keeping it with the over-unders, because I think this is a, a good, a good uh, exercise. The line we have at running backs in the first round is one and a half. We're not looking at a lot of running backs. You think over or under one and a half running backs? I'd probably under. take under one realistically. I don't know if any running back in this class goes in the first round. I mean, Clyde was a shocker of a pick, and the running backs we saw last year, Akers, Dobbins, Taylor, Swift, like those guys, I would rather have all of them than Najee Harris at the moment. And Najee Harris looks to be on most teams boards as the RB one. So I definitely don't think that running back is a position we'll see in the first round. Yeah, I totally agree. This class is just weaker than last year's. Like, I don't know how teams could justify using a one on Najee Harris this year when Jonathan Taylor fell to pick 55. I want to say off the top of my head last year, like last year's running back class really was special as we know, as fans of the game and fantasy and this running back class is it's here. Um, I wouldn't say it's special though. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that's expected. I think there's a one and a half. I think there's an outside chance back at the first round, but you're convincing that that it's sort of not worth a first round pick anymore, unless it's a generational guy like, like Saquon. So keeping it with the over unders, let's move that to wide receivers. So we've talked about a lot of these guys, but five and a half receivers in the first round over under. I'm going to have to say under, I think you have those first three guys, the Alabama duo and Jamar chase pretty much. I think they'll all go in the top 15 as crazy as that may sound. 
But after that, there's definitely a significant drop off in terms of the way NFL scouts are viewing these guys. You could see a Bateman. There's been rumors of Kadarius Tony that I'm not really buying. It just kind of seems like pre-draft smoke. So I really kind of have it around four, maybe five, but not more than that. So I agree with your under also there, just because like I agree with the top three guys. One thing I want to note though is you said that they could all be top 15 picks. Last year we thought the same thing though with Judy, CD, and Henry Ruggs, and also Justin Jefferson. So I don't know if they're all going to be top 15. I could see Waddle or even Smith slipping like. 16, 17, 18, nothing crazy. It's nitpicky. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be probably around four, maybe five, because maybe a Terrence Marshall Jr. could sneak in there or Elijah Moore. The the top three are established, but then there's like a glob of like seven guys who everyone's like, oh, he could go anywhere from 30 to 75. So we're really not sure. So that brings us right in because we're looking at a lot of offensive players in the first 15 picks of the top 10 do you guys think it's a shoe in that there's more offensive players selected than defense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just based off QB, Sewell, and Chase alone, I think it sort of puts them over that five mark. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I could even see like eight out of 10 being like all offense, like just off yeah. rip. This is a pretty weak edge class. No disrespect to those guys, but I mean, certain and Horner contenders to be in the top 10 for sure, but. We're not really seeing anybody like Quiddy Pay or Christian Darisaw break into that top 10 mold. Perfect. All right. So we're going to get into some, some quick fire rounds where we're going to answer, I'm going to ask you, we're going to really key on some specific players over under their draft positioning. So uh, keep, keep the description quick, you, you know, get, give an explanation, but, but this will be a quicker round. So, First up, over under 40.5 draft slot for Najee Harris. Is he going a below 40 or above 40? Above. Above. And, and I guess a, an easier way to say this is not above or below, but before or after 40. After, after 40. the 40th pick, after for 40. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are, uh, after Zeke was very talented, but didn't really bring them any playoff success. People are very wary of taking running backs early, especially with how well the second round ones have done from last year. And with how good this receiver class is, like everyone's talking about last year's receiver class being generational this year, I think is an excellent encore. And I think if I can take a great receiver at pick 43, or I can take a pretty good running back, I'm going to take the great receiver every time. Well, all right. So next up, over under 29 and a half pick for uh, Rashad Bateman. So earlier or later than, than 29 and a half. I'm going to take earlier than 29 and a half. And I know that might be a slightly hot take, but the Ravens, I mean, they signed Sammy Watkins. That's not the answer. We all know that's not the answer. The Packers, Alan Lazard is still a free agent. We all know that Marquez Valdez Scantling is also not the answer. I think. But Devin are- Funches is back. Devin Funches, Devin Funches. The Michigan prospects do not usually pan out, so uh, be wary of Nico Collins' fantasy owners. But, yeah, I definitely am taking uh, before 29 and a half. Uh, I'm actually going to take the after. Uh, I'm going to take him going later. I think he'll still be pretty early, and I think it's a great over-under. But I just think that Bateman could really go after one or two other guys. Like like I said, Terrence Marshall Jr., Elijah Moore, this tier is very murky right now. So I would be more comfortable taking the later. All right. I, I think that makes sense, and, and it's a it's definitely a tough tough number to put 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 a pin in. But 
Moving on, one of my favorite players in this draft, his dad was my one of my favorite players in the league. Over under 27.5 for Asante Samuel Jr. I'm going to go with later. I'm going to go with later just because there's too many cornerbacks ahead of him. That's what I would say. Like you still got Horn, you got Sertain. I know Farley has the back issues, but I still think he'll go before Samuel. Um, So I think for me with those guys, I'll probably just go before him. And I just don't see four corners going top 28. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with Ben. Samuel's really talented. I could definitely see a team like Tampa taking him with the last pick in the first round, just because, I mean, you have no holes. Why not help out Carlton Davis and the rest of that secondary? All right, so so keeping it on the defensive side, uh, Gregory Rousseau, over under pick 15.5 for, for Gregory Rousseau. I'm going to say after pick 15. Uh, like I said before, I think – that this is a really weak defensive edge class. And I think we're going to see that in the way these teams draft, especially because we saw so much success from guys like Trey Hendrickson, who are rotational guys that were able to step up and have great years. So I think we're going to see almost more of a trend of rotational defensive ends and less guys being taken in that top, like 15 to 20. I'm probably going to take the later, but part of me wants to be a little bit hot and take the under because I really do think Rousseau is a special player. Actually, a good friend of mine was an equipment manager at the University of Miami, and he would just tell me all the time just like about how large of a human being he is. And apparently he's also a really nice guy. Um, so I'm rooting for you, Greg Rousseau, but I'm going to have to sadly lean with AJ and back down and say he's going after 15 and a half. All right. Well, you know, there always could be trades that make all of us wrong. And, and speaking of that, over under three and a half draft day trades, we're talking just round one. Three and a half. I'm going to take the over on that. I just think you okay. have a lot of teams looking to move. A lot of teams looking to move up. A lot of teams looking to move down. Like Atlanta's in talks to move down. Uh, Carolina's in talks to move down. Denver's always up to something. New England. You never know what the Washington football team is going to do. Um, Teams are unpredictable. Um, it's been a super weird year with no combine. I think everyone's boards are going to look very different, and I'm going to take the over on that. That was pretty damn convincing. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think I'm going to side with the under just because the history of teams like Denver, Atlanta, and New England, they don't really trade around in the first round too often, and I don't know if that's going to change just because of the lack of a combine this year. Yeah, no, all, all fair points. My, I'm taking the over on that one, but you know, a lot of the a lot of these polls and props, uh, you, you can vote on yourself and, and compete with your friends on verse. I think you guys have, have found a couple that that may be versable because uh, this this draft is going to be really interesting, unpredictable. Drafts tend to be unpredictable, despite the business of predicting them. But I think this one is due to COVID, due to everything going on. Really, nobody has any idea. Yeah, it's going to be pretty up in the air. We're going to definitely see a few prospects get reached on that are going to shock a lot of the viewers, especially at the defensive position level. I think that we're going to see a surprising amount of linebackers taken. We didn't get to talk about my boy Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, but I think he could definitely go earlier than people think. Well, I do want to get it on the record, everyone, you know, since we are on the record now, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. Everyone has their take. Which quarterback at the end of their rookie season will we be saying, wow, I can't believe I thought X was better than him. We had that with Justin Herbert. 
We've had it with quarterbacks throughout the last couple drafts. Which which quarterback is it? Which it doesn't. I think, have to I be think AJ, we, have we have the same guy. We have the same guy. Justin Fields, man. It's, it's Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. It's he, been Justin Fields. He's been elite since high school. You can't fault him for playing at OSU where Haskins and Cardale Jones went into the NFL draft from. That's not his fault. It's not his fault that he went to the same school as them. He's a different player entirely. He makes different his throws fault and better up, throws. Is it his fault Just, he's from number two overall pick to number eight, nine, ten since the, the – Justin United? Fields has been the second best quarterback in this class since he was 12 years old after Trevor Lawrence. Like nothing has changed except for Zach Wilson going out and playing against some JV defenses at BYU. Like I- I'm really so off this Zach Wilson train, and the fact that the Jets want to draft him just throws me further off the train. Like I want less to do with Zach Wilson because hey, of this. We have Justin Fields going number two at plus 500 if you want to throw on it because I think – I will verse you right now. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're just about out of time, but it was a blast having you guys join us and go through these, uh, these, these topics. We're all excited for the draft. Um, you know, these clips will go out uh, soon. So people will be able to find your usernames and verse against you guys on the ones you disagree. But um, thank you guys so much for joining us and giving us your, your, your research and, and insight. Thank you for having us. If you want to bet on the Knicks, at AJ Carrion, all lowercase. I will definitely take your bet every time. Absolutely. And always feel free to hit me up at Ben Weiner on Verse. Uh, I actually have a couple accounts because, you know, it's just how I operate, but that's how we do things. So always feel free to toss me some bets, especially if you want to fade my New England Patriots. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. I'm going to go ahead and kill the, kill the recording and stuff now, but the, this was a great episode. So it'll... Yeah, I fucking had a blast. Bro. That was great. Yeah. That was my, 